Hey, welcome to the Selah Leaders Podcast. My name is Nick Newman. I'm here today with my good friend, Matt Chirac, and our podcast god, Darren Zook. How are we doing today, fellas? Doing great. How are you doing, Pastor Matt? Hey, uh, I'm great, man. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, if you are part of the Selah Leaders family, uh, you've met him before. Uh, you serve here yeah. on our staff at Propel Church. Um, but also with Selah Leaders, uh, I don't know how to define your role. Of what, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, everything you asked me to do. Come on. I don't know um, so uh, I sit on the board for Selah Leaders, right? Yeah. And so uh, I'm heavily involved in Lead Pastor Getaway. I uh, serve on staff at Propel Church. And uh, so any pretty much everything Pastor Nick has his hands in, I get to be a part of. So it's one of yeah. the perks. Your your like official job description is the like all other duties assigned by lead pastor. Yeah. Like that clause yeah. that we you throw in <laughs> that last line of the job description. Yeah. It really like becomes part of what you do. And in this episode, you know, it's gonna be a little different normally. It's just Darren and I, but I wanted to bring you on today because there's a lot of leaders uh that listen to the podcast that lead from the second chair, right, and so uh, they—they're they, not necessarily the ones in charge, but they uh, serve another leader. And right. So I wanted to talk through uh, what it looks like to deal with exhaustion as a second chair leader. But let's define it, you know, first. What is a second chair leader? You want me to answer that? I do. Um, so second chair leader, I would define it as uh, second in command, right? The right hand man of the organization or uh, the church or the business that you're a part of. Um, you are both leading, but also being led at the same time. And so uh, I think that's the best way. It's very like all encompassing, right? So. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and like, you know, when we first started the church, I don't, I don't think that we had a lot of second chair leaders right like i had a few people that we invested into and we hoped that they didn't kill anybody from one Sunday, <laughs> you know to the next that was not me <laughs> that wasn't me <laughs> but you know as our our church has grown and and not just that but like leading cell leaders and other organizations whatever my hands are in yeah um having people that are able to carry the vision yeah um to fruition that's how like i really think about a second chair leader is somebody that not only hears the vision but runs with it right and they carry it um, across the finish line and, and you do that so well so for those who are a second chair leader like they serve um you know darren i consider darren a second chair leader right in our organization <clears throat> as well for those who are kind of in that role uh what does exhaustion look like for them? Uh, because it is different. Like one of the things I know about, yeah, um, your vantage point really determines a lot. Like where you sit determines what you see. Right, right. And so it's different, my seat to yours. What does exhaustion look like in your role? Yeah, I think um, one of the big ones is emotional and mental fatigue, which is that uh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. Um, being in the second chair, uh, we get the privilege of wearing just a lot of hats, right? And so sometimes that can lead you to that exhausting point. Um, ironically, this is an area that 
uh, I fight pretty often because we love to teach about it and talk about it all the time, right? So that's yeah. the that's the craftiness of the enemy. Um, <clears throat> I was thinking about it earlier. I was trying to focus on getting ready for this podcast, but I actually had a slogan from a women's conference that we did two years ago stuck in my head. And that's because all of the hats that I wear were starting to to intertwine and run together. And that's that kind of mental fatigue. But on the emotional side, um, <clears throat> I think that looks like really learning how to, what you give your emotional energy to. So there's so many opportunities in the second chair. Um, you know, a lot gets kind of kicked and passed your way. And you really have to learn what you're, you kind of have to take audit of what your emotional energy is. And then you have to learn like what you're going to give that to. If not, you're going to be exhausted at the end of the day. And every day you're going to say, man, I'm so tired. And your wife's going to be looking at you like, you said that every day last week. And so you have a responsibility uh, to kind of manage that that emotional energy. But so that that's a really big one. The emotional and mental fatigue is that it's that overwhelmed, stressed out feeling. So as a second chair leader, you have all the authority, but no autonomy, right? So you're you you do have a lot of authority, especially like the way ours is. You empower me a lot, but at the same time, I'm still serving and reporting to a vision of another leader. So that can leave this emotional tension. Um, and, and this mental exhaustion between, especially, you know, I'm sure we'll get into talking about carrying the heart of your leader. Um, but especially if you don't do that well, then every decision that you make is, is really difficult for you because you're like, ah, I don't know my leader's heart. So I don't know if this is the right decision or not. Yeah. <clears throat> I think when you're, when you're working on, you know, what do I give my energy to and things like that? One of the hardest things for me, cause you know, I used to sit in a second chair seat. Um, second chair is not second class. I love. Come on, like that's good. I, I love. Uh, uh, Brandon Stewart says that. Yeah. Um, leading second podcast. If you yep. aren't familiar with it, great resource there. Um, second chair is not second class, right? So it's such an important role. I think right. one of the hardest things for me to learn in that when I was trying to manage my energy, whether it was emotional, spiritual, you know, physical, all that was. Just because it's on my plate doesn't mean I have to be the one who's doing it. Hundred percent. And so a lot of times we go, well, I have to do all of this stuff. In ministry, our goal is to equip people for ministry. Right. We don't do it alone. We go together. And so I think there's a big learning curve with people a lot of times to figure out just because it's my responsibility doesn't mean that I'm the one that has to do it. Right. I'm just responsible to make sure it gets taken care of. Right. And until you figure that out, you feel very overwhelmed with all the things that need to get done. And some leaders don't do a great job of like, they know it's on their plate. They know it's their responsibility, but they run out of things. So they just pass it and, and like give it to somebody and forget about it. Then they get mad when their leader comes to them. Right. And it's not done or it's not taken care of. Um, Learning, <clears throat> excuse me, learning to utilize and steward what you've been entrusted with while also realizing like you're called to build other leaders. Yeah. Is one of the greatest assets you can, you know, develop and skill sets you can build as a second chair leader. Yeah, 100%. Um, big difference between delegating and dumping, right? Uh, in fact, one of the ways I learned to manage my emotional energy and delegate better um, was he handed me a jar of pencils 
sitting at your desk at the old office and you were like, this is your emotional energy for the day. What are you going to give it to? And I was like, I just walked away. <laughs> and um, because second chair leaders, like he said, man, you are worth your weight in gold. You are phenomenally gifted leaders. Most of you could probably go start your own organization right now. Yeah. Um, but you, you bless and you carry the heart of another leader in the season. And, and because of that, you want to do all the things because you're passionate about serving that vision and you know where you're placed at for, for a reason. Uh, and it's, it's really, really difficult to learn um, how to delegate. And if you're high functioning like me, it's always tempting because it's like, well, I could do this in 15 minutes. It's yeah. going to take me two hours to show somebody how to yeah. do it. Yeah. But you got to think in scalability long term. Like, hey, in six months, this will be completely removed from my plate if I build somebody or a team of people to take care of this. Because at the end of the day, my pastor, this is my leader here, wants wants it to achieve a certain standard of excellence. Um, and it's he doesn't really care who does it. He just wants to see it done, right? He just wants to see it done and done well. Well, I think, too, like leadership becomes significantly less complicated when we start inviting people to do what we're already doing. Right. Like 100%. for some reason, when we look at leadership, sometimes we go, well, I don't have time to train anybody to do it. You were already planning on doing it. Mm -hmm. So just quit, quit doing it alone. Right. Bring people in, teach them how to do what you're already doing. And that's where leadership development happens. Yeah. Right? It's the, yeah. it's the times where, you know, I would call you and say, Hey, I gotta go handle this problem you're going with me yeah you know and we you we would get in the car afterwards and go uh hey so what'd you learn you know right and we'd unpack yeah. it and darren you've been in yeah. in conversations like that as well yeah know? it's a great opportunity i think you know you already said it but you know taking people with you in the journey is a huge part of leadership development and it's a way i think also really to to make sure that you are doing your part in bringing up new leaders beyond you you know more secondary leaders and potentially those second chair leaders turn into the leaders of future church plants or, you know, future businesses down the road. And it's, you know, that's, that's part of the development process that we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be done. What are some other like, uh, ways to identify, you know, if you're exhausted. So you talked about decision fatigue. Yep. You know, feeling that like weight and pressure. Yeah. Um, frustration and disengagement. Um, so that's that, kind of that that feeling of being undervalued is where I feel frustrated. And I'll tell you, um, if you don't know, uh, I have, first of all, and I, and I don't just say this, say this, I have an amazing senior leader. I'm very grateful for the leader he is. Uh, Darren and I could both speak to that. Um, and, I, and I'm thankful for him. But you will be hurt by your leader at some point in 100%. time. Uh, he's not perfect. Something that he says will offend me. And learning how to deal with that is very important because I tell people like this, uh, the difference between a protege and a parasite is a parasite wants what's in its leader's hand. A protege wants what's on their heart. On. And my responsibility is to carry the heart and the vision of my leader. And whenever I start to get off track on that, I may feel a tension when he tells me no, because I wanted things my way. And uh, I think anytime you say to yourself, I know I'm right, this is the best, that's dumb. Your mind is under assault. Get rid of that because I'm telling you, um, it's going to be better for you to sit and understand, hey, I'm actually in this position 
to help carry the vision of this organization or this church. And I never want my leader to feel like he's carrying me, but I always want him to feel like I'm supporting him. And the minute that I decide that I am frustrated with something or I am disengaging for something because of selfish means, I've become a weight on him. It's really good, man. You know, and I think um, we're going to experience frustration. Right. I mean, one of the things you said yeah. was like, uh, you are going like, I'm going to let you down. Yeah. As as a senior leader, um, I'm not Jesus. Right. I love you, but I didn't die for your sins. You right. Know, and I and like, I'm not right. perfect. I don't a pair of Jordans you might, but my sins, not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but, you know, so I'm going to make mistakes. And, and I think sometimes we have this expectation that our leaders are going to have it all together and then when they like fail us our hopes and dreams are crushed and we're not talking about spiritual abuse or anything like that like uh we live in a world that has very much uh, anytime you get told no yeah uh is it's spiritual abuse and it's like no um there are times as a leader where i have to make a call that's not necessarily popular but where I sit determines what I see. And I might see something yeah. in the organization that's a little different. And so <laughs> you might get a slow down or a let's pause or, you know, we're not going to move forward that way. Or, right. hey, this is like, I'm grateful for your investment. I want to shift gears to make sure this aligns with where we're heading on the long run. I like to say it that being a senior leader is like, uh, standing over a 500 piece puzzle Mm -hmm. and seeing every single piece that's in play while leading at a different level is like holding a group of puzzle pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that because I, and I actually wrote it in some notes that I took Um, as a second chair leader, we should wear bifocals. So I need to, I need to be able to see the big picture that he sees but I'm also responsible for the details. So I got to see the little pieces that need to go in these little places. And the reason that second chair rest is so important is when I'm tired, what happens to my vision, right? You think about driving down the road, you're tired, things get blurry. You start yeah. to lose clarity. That's good. And I can't, I can't be seeing the things that he's seeing or understanding, understanding um, what my leader is, is requesting or requiring when I get into to lack of rest. And so, yeah. um, Oh man, you said something else really good that I was going to comment on. But we just going to have to roll. Who knows? It'll come back. But but huh? what what I will say is like, um, you talked about knowing your leader's heart. Yeah. And I think part of the reason why our relationship works really well is even when I let you down or I don't give you the answer you were looking for or you get frustrated, whatever. Like you know my heart. You know I care right. about you. You know I love you. How do you go in like building that relational equity with a leader, uh, like the person who leads you? How do you learn their heart? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. So um, one of the things that we do is we hang out. Like literally, we just hang out and we have a ton of fun together. Um, and so I would encourage you as a second chair leader to not just do ministry or work or whatever that is. Um, the reality is him and I put out a ton of fires together. But we also have a lot of fun together. And uh, I very much uh, fight for those opportunities for him because his innate design and desire is going to be to run, 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 run. 
part of my job is to make sure that he is resting. And a lot of ways that we do that is we rest together. Yeah. Um, like we find commonalities. So uh, I'm, I'm sitting in a room right now and uh, this person has gotten into Nikes and Jordans because that's a shared interest with Pastor Nick. Uh, him and I, I'm wearing a fly fishing shirt right now. Him and I like to go fly fishing together. And so I've found things that he likes and I have gotten interested in those as well. So we can share things outside of the, the heartache of ministry or um, whatever it is that you do on a job. And that's helped me to get to know you better outside of that um, while also removing like that tension and that pressure to perform, like just to get to know somebody. Um, I would also say it is a commitment and an intentionality that I live my wife with and not my wife, my life with uh, in this season. Um, it, it is to protect with a tenacity guarding your heart. Like what I what I mean by that is um, I know your heart so well now that I will fight for for it in moments where I, I'm, I'm choosing not to be offended, right? So we call it benefit of the doubt, and, yeah. and that's a ministry term. But I'm choosing not to be offended. I'm choosing to pardon him. I'm choosing to say, um, hey, you know what? He said this. It came off a little, mm, but maybe I'm just tired. Maybe I'm just a little whiny today, you know? And so I kind of work through things like that. But also, man, um, one of my biggest regrets early on in leadership is not having the hard conversation immediately. So one thing he does really well is if I do something that uh, was frustrating or offensive, you don't sit on it. You come directly to me and you say, hey, man, um, when you did this, this was really distracting. And and that's fighting for unity. Like that is that is how that is how we fight for unity. We don't give space or time to gossip, to dishonor. We go directly to the source and we say, hey, this is what happened. And I didn't like this. And we have the conversation right away so that there is no time for me to be frustrated with you for an extended period of time. Right. Yeah. And it. The, sorry, I laughed because it was just a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a recent thing that I yeah, thought about. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but it, it is like, um, I, I I think sometimes we try and coddle the leaders beneath us a little too much in that, like one of the reasons why sometimes leaders think we're perfect is because we that's the image we project to them. Right. And so if I feel frustrated as a leader, I have a responsibility to the people I lead to say, hey, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that this was not your intention. Right. But here's what happened. Yeah. And here's how I interpreted it. Right. Now, we don't have to agree on that at all. Yeah. But based on where I sit, this is what I saw. And and so, and then we get to address that and deal with it. And I think sometimes um, internally, it's very rare that you will go high within our organization if I don't feel relational connectivity. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. If I don't, if I don't have the desire to spend time with you to grow in that relationship and it doesn't, you don't have to like just love all my shared interests. Most of the time you just have to be an enjoyable person to be around. Yeah. Um, Like people who are very negative or just have a ton of excuses. Right. I don't have a high like tolerance for them in um in putting them into my inner circle yeah um well i think the other side of it too though is you know you don't want to pour into a leader who can't take feedback well 
who can't, you know, who's constantly making excuses for every single thing that happened or something, thing, something mm-hmm. along those lines. And I think that's the thing is, is it's consistent feedback. It's, it's being able to provide that consistent feedback. And I think that comes with relational equity. Yeah. You know, that's the only way you're going to be able to do that and not take offense to, you know, something that you said, you know, I think back on situations, conversations that you and I have had, and it's like, Hey, like, I don't take offense to it, you know? Yeah, it could, it could hurt in the moment, but it doesn't mean that I take offense to it because that constant feedback and that constant communication, there's so much relational equity there that it doesn't hold the same impact as what it would as if it's a, you know, a, a leader within a business who you have no direct relationship with, right? but they're, you know, they're up your management chain and they're coming to you with something. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think sometimes like, cause you know, pre-Jesus, I was a drug dealer, spent a little time in the business world. And like in the in the business world, popular thing is like the crap sandwich is what mm. people call it. It's like I have to tell you what you did really well. I have to give you crap, and right. then I have to tell you what you yeah, did I don't really like well. That. I hate those. Yeah, I think it's just so it's a poor it's a poor feedback culture mm. yeah. that requires me to have to pat you on the back before I address something yeah. wrong. Yeah, healthy culture is you're celebrated enough. Right. That when we have the hard conversation. That's good. We just have the hard conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. And most hard conversations aren't really that hard if you as a leader don't build them up in your mind to become this really big thing you've rehearsed for three weeks. Yeah. Before you just sit down and go, Hey, when you did this, it frustrated me. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Just run the play. Fresh and fast. That's and that- how feedback should be. And it should be fairly emotionless <laughs> right that. it needs to be objective yeah because you, yeah. you can't just go like you can't be hot-headed um i think that's one of the other reasons why feedback works really well with us is because it's not i'm i stay level-headed as a leader. yeah you rationalize very quickly some people don't think you have emotions it's not that since you're good at rationalizing things thank you um yeah you're welcome i received that yeah i received that well we're we're kind of running uh Close to. I got one more big time. one that I want to do. Do a big that. one. Can we do it? Can we do that? Let's so, do it. Let's and in this word, if you laugh when I say it, I'll know I'll say it wrong. But this is uh, role ambiguity. Okay. Come on, I, I said it, that right. right. Nailed it. Yeah. yeah, but that's the best word to describe it. And what I mean by that is, um, and this is it, like, and honestly, this is an opportunity that we face at Propel Church sometimes. Um, that is clarity on what the heck do you do? Like, as a second chair leader, we were just kind of talking about it. you do. All of these things, well, sometimes uh, that can be frustrating because there's something that you see within your organization that needs to be worked on, but you don't know who in the world is responsible for it. And if you get into the habit of taking responsibility for it, you're now probably overstepping a boundary into Mm -hmm. another team or somebody else's role or something like that. So so one thing uh, we can do there is we can ask for clarity. And I think uh, it's something that, right, Pastor Nick, planted a church seven years ago right so some of those things like they come with time as you build systems you build structures you build pathways and and all of that some of those role descriptions come into play um and so that is that is kind of where we're at in this season where all we have a team of four executive leaders and sometimes our roles intertwine like that uh and if it's everybody's responsibility it's nobody's responsibility which can be really frustrating so i want to encourage you to have those conversations as well, you know, that for us may look like, hey, Pastor Nick, I felt like 
uh, this was nobody's responsibility. And, you know, maybe you're upset because this didn't get done, but I didn't know that I was supposed to do it. That's attention. And if you allow that to sit, that stress, that mental fatigue will wear you out and cause restlessness. It's really good, man. And and so I actually had like a couple things of like tips for leaders. And we talked about feedback was actually one of my big tips of like working with second chair leaders. But the other one was get really good at asking questions. Mm, yeah. And when you're lead, when you are a leader that is leading other people, you've got to become a great question asker. Um, questions like uh, when someone comes to you with a problem, if you're developing leaders, well, what do you think we should do? Right. Yeah. Like, like it's very easy for a high capacity leader to become the chief problem solver in an organization. And that's, that's an easy thing for me because problem solving is a high gift set right. for me. Yeah. Uh, and typically those are like very creative solutions. Yeah. And that's my gift. Um, but if I'm going to build leaders, I have to get them to think differently. So right. what do you think we should do about it? Yeah. Or when we're talking about a problem, hey, whose responsibility? Who's going to run with that? Right. Who's yeah. going to run the ball across That's the good. finish line? Yeah. We did that recently, yeah. right? We had some stuff we were working through with, with discipline, and he kind of sat there and allowed the team to make the decisions and ask the right questions. And, yeah, um, yeah you do that really well. Yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, but that, that's leadership, right? Right. It's and like I didn't used to do it at all. Now I'm learning to implement it. Yeah. And it's developing. Well, you know what it teaches us, too, is not to bring a problem without a solution. Come on. Like, like what's more annoying than when somebody yeah. brings you a problem, it's but they have true. no solution? It's like, hey, if you didn't know, I got a thousand other problems on my plate right now. Yeah. So do you have a suggestion? And if I do that, I've spent time. I'll say, hey, I don't have a solution to this, and I'm really sorry. I've been racking my brain. It's driving me nuts. It's something that needs to be addressed. Do you have anything on this? I'll let my leader know in advance. Hey, this isn't for laziness or lack of effort. I just don't know how to fix this, and I see a problem. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. That's and and I think you've got to find one of the best things a second chair leader can do is find the gift set of their leader and then invest their time and energy into it. Come on. If okay. if you do that. Let them live their their unique gifts. Yeah, your your teams will grow, things will thrive. Yeah. So, Darren, what's our question? Yeah. From our so, listener? yeah. So each episode, we we take a uh, leader submitted question and and ask it of Pastor Nick, as well as we're gonna ask the same question of Pastor Matt today and let you both respond. But uh, today's leader submitted question comes from Kyle, and he asks, "What does your Sabbath day look like?" I'll let you go first, and then I'll land the plane. Okay, that sounds great. Um, so it's kind of forty seconds. Okay, <laughs> kind of a loaded question because it looks different all the time. Uh, Pastor Nick has a great teaching. I don't know where it is. Maybe he can tell you. But you need three different areas of rest, right? Soul rest, spiritual rest, physical rest. So sometimes my Sabbath day requires me to sleep a lot. Sometimes I do things like go fly fishing. Um, I take personal time, and sometimes I just literally spend time with the Lord, reading and praying and praising and worshiping. Um, all day long. It is whatever I need most in that season. And the important thing for me as a Christian is that Jesus is the Lord of my Sabbath. So he gets to determine how I rest on my Sabbath day. That's good. Come on. That was less than 40 seconds. <laughs> it was like the most saved answer. I, I might. I, I caught the whole ghost. Come on. Um, no, I, I think the, the big thing about Sabbath is it's different for everybody. But the goal of Sabbath is connection with the Lord. Come on. 
And so, so whatever it looks like um, for you on that day, uh, for me, sometimes it is like it's a lounge kind of. I'm chilling. I'm not doing anything. I'm running a high-paced season. Um, there are times like for me, one of the things that brings joy to my soul is spending time with other like pastors and mm-hmm. other leaders. Like, yeah. I might, you know, I've rented out a, a bay at Top Golf and just invited a whole bunch of pastors to come hang out yeah. on a Sabbath. I go fly fishing, go golfing. Um, whatever you do, the big thing is that it's consistent and that it has a rhythm. I think sometimes we go, well, I wish I just knew what to do. Like, okay, then ask the Lord. Do you have access? I I guarantee you, if you started asking God, if he wanted to spend time with you, he'd say yes. <laughs> God, how do you want me to spend time with you? Yeah. He'll guide you and direct you. That's good. Yeah. And then just do that. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, continue to invest there. So, uh, man, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah. Thank uh, thanks. If you are watching this and you're on YouTube right now, hit the subscribe button. If you're on Spotify, do whatever Spotify does. Yeah. Be sure to share this with a friend. There's Apple Podcasts as well. We're available on all streaming platforms. I don't even know what all those platforms are, but we're available. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great day, and we'll see you soon. Hey, thanks so much for checking out this month's episode of the Selah Leaders Podcast. Darren and I are so grateful that you chose to spend some time with us today to check it out. But do us a favor. Be sure to hit the like button. Yep. Subscribe, comment, share it with a friend, family, or another leader in your life. It would truly make a huge difference. Yeah, and if you'd like more information, jump over to selahleaders.com.